I really want to thank you for listening to the Brother Mac podcast and sticking with us as we continue to go through the book of James. This week's message on James 1 verses 9 through 12 is really a challenging message. The reason it is so challenging is that it draws a clear distinction between those that have and have not, those that are rich and those that are poor, those that are suffering and those that are not, and shows how those that are without are truly blessed. What's weird about that is that many times when we are going without or we are struggling through tribulation, it doesn't feel that way to us. I just want to remind you as you begin this message that better is nothing with Christ than having everything without Him. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we will experience the exaltation that James discusses in this book. May we continue to encourage each other and love Christ deeper every moment of every day. Thanks for listening. And now, James 1, verses 9 through 12. James chapter 1, and last week we talked quickly about trials. I'm not going to rehash that. Uh, We talked about wisdom and asking for wisdom. I really liked some of the things we looked at last week as far as getting answers and why people ask for wisdom and they get discouraged and they get disgruntled. I thought there were some good things that we looked at last week. But this week we're going to look at verses 9 and hopefully go through about verse 15. If we can get further, great. If we can't, that'll be fine too. So verse 9 says this, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now, Quarantine Church, I kind of stopped with this verse because I, I like, for Quarantine Church, it was easier to do that online because scriptures, there are some scriptures that have a flow to them. A lot of the scriptures in the New Testament have a flow to where you're able to just kind of follow the train of thought and you can connect it to the thought before and be able to kind of hash it out that way. You've got to dig deeper into this particular verse. And you've got to say a lot of things from different places and bring to this. And it's hard to do that in the little format that I was trying to do with Quarantine Church. Because you start and it says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. In the scripture, you see consistently a, a, a tension between rich and poor. Okay, you see that all throughout scripture. Uh, You see a tension. You almost see a separation between rich and poor. And you've got to think in the context of the world that we live in today, as well as the world historically, there are more poor people in this world than there are rich people in this world. Even us, even if we were to consider ourselves poor, if you were to take your situation in light of the entire world today, you are incredibly poor. Wealthy. You know, people always complain about the 1%. Oh, the 1%. Oh, the 1%. Guess what? In most parts of the world, you are the 1%. Okay? You are the one that is rich. I'm getting in a car when I leave here. A little wheel is going to work. I'm going to turn my air conditioner on. I'm going to drink out of my thermos that has ice water in it that I started on yesterday. The ice is from yesterday, okay? It's good. It's Chick-fil-A ice. A little tiny, itty-bitty, little Chick-fil-A Sonic ice, you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Can't get it on Sundays. Might as well get it on Saturday and bring it on Sunday. 
but I got a thermos and it's got ice water and it's great. I'm leaving here and I'm going to probably drive home because I'm not wearing my belt. And it drives me crazy all day not to wear a belt. So I'll probably go home and get a belt. Don't look at my waist. I'm wearing a vest that hides everything. Okay, so here we go. So I might go home. So I'm going to waste the gas to go home and get my belt. My grandparents live in Quitman. Actually, you know where Troopville Highway is between Quitman and Vidasa, they live halfway on Troopville Highway. I'm gonna be going in there this afternoon. We're gonna do social distancing, but we're all gonna to get together from Mother's Day out there. And so I'm gonna drive all that way in an air-conditioned car, no 255 air conditioning. You know I'm talking about two windows, 55 miles. No, air conditioning, and not only in the front, but also in the back. That's how we roll in them. In a minivan, and but I'm gonna go there, and we're gonna. I'm probably gonna grab some McDonald's on the way. Yes, it's on my Weight Watchers because I hadn't had anything today. I'm gonna be eating me some nuggets and some fries, and got to stay away from Coca-Cola. It's it's addictive. And, and I'm gonna go there, and then when I get finished there, I'm gonna go home into my air-conditioned house. Um, I'm probably going to go ahead. Now I'm going to be nerdy for just a moment. If you don't know what this is, we have a PlayStation 4 at the house. And we just got, within the last month, a PSVR. If you don't know what that is, it's virtual reality. You put the hood on, and it's, it's actually a hat, whatever. Put the hood on, you can see all kinds of weird stuff. Well, I'm a Star Trek nerd, okay? I don't wear the shirts. I don't have the little emblems. I love Star Trek and Doctor Who. But I have a Star Trek game on there. And so last night, guess what, folks? In my house, I was the captain, okay? And I'm talking, in the game, not in reality, I'm in the game. So I'm, playing, so I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna waste some time doing that. And then I'm gonna go outside maybe, maybe, and finish up the yard work I started yesterday. And, and, and guess what? I'm still getting paid because I'm still working. Life is great. That is a minority in the world today, okay? That is a minority in the world today. After this COVID-19 fiasco begins to settle down, we're, going to, we're already starting to see the ripple effects of that in our own economy and the lives of the people in our communities. But we're going to see a lot of people in the months ahead lose their, months ahead lose their jobs, lose their livelihood, lose their homes. And that's not to say it's not going to impact us as well. I know even in the school system, they're talking about education is getting a 14% cut. They're talking about furlough days. They're talking about not hiring anybody. And you know what? The reality is if it gets bad enough, what are they going to end up doing? Let people go. That's just how life is. So, so we're in that blessed percentage. But in the, in the blink of an eye, in the snap of a finger, we can be on the other side. What this scripture is saying, and it's, 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 it's really, if you think about James writing to these people that are dispersed, these people that are just kind of spread out, you see a lot of that in the New Testament as the gospel is spreading out. He's saying to that person that is poor. He's saying to that person that is discouraged. He is saying to that person to where if they're looking at their life, they have no options. He's saying, brother or sister here, you, need, you should be joyous in your circumstance, because guess what? It is easier for you to see Christ in your circumstances. It is easier for you to see God working in your circumstances. It is easier for you to depend solely on God in those circumstances, because guess what? God is ultimately all you have. Now, it's easy to say that when we've got an air-conditioned vehicle, we've got a restaurant to go to, we've got a house, okay? But you've got to think about, you've got to, you've got to take the American blinders off and realize that they had nothing but Christ. And James is telling them, Christ is more than enough. Christ is more than enough. And so even though you're in that lowly state, 
guess what? Your relationship with Christ is greater so that your relationship with Christ is greater than your circumstances. And so you see that, that separation because on the same side, he says this. The lowly brother, you need to boast in the fact that Christ is exalting you. You need to boast in the fact that God has taken you from that lowly state and is going to be lifting you to heaven and is going to be taking you with him when Christ goes, comes back finally when you die and spend eternity with him. But he says, lowly brother, boast in that. Because the, but the rich, it says they're going to boast in their humiliation. Let's talk about the rich for just a moment. And this is what I wanted to say in the quarantine church stuff. I never got around to saying it is this. The more stuff you have, the more your stuff has you. Isn't that the truth? Now, now what's weird about this is this isn't like 100% universal because there are people who have a lot of stuff who are very thankful for the stuff they had and the stuff they had does not consume them. That's why in the Bible you don't see it say where all rich people are going to be lost at all. It, basically, you see, it would be very difficult. You see that all throughout Scripture. It would be very difficult for a rich man to inherit eternal life. And the reason is this, and if I could just be honest for just a moment, if everything in your life is going okay... In fact, if everything in your life is going great and somebody comes to you and they say, hey, you need Jesus, what are you going to do? Are you sure? What do I need Jesus for? I've got everything a man could dream of. I've got everything a man could ever want. You know, that's what's interesting. You see this a lot in Scripture. You see a lot of people, you know how this works, a lot of people that um, don't know Christ, they have great lives. I've heard people say, oh, let me tell you what, those people that don't know Jesus... They're truly not happy. I'm going to tell you something. I think there are some people that are so fooled, they are excited about life, they enjoy life, and they go to the grave happy. And they don't have to know Jesus to go to the grave happy. But what happens when they get to the grave, they would wish that they had known Christ on this side of the grave. Okay, It's easy to say. What's the old saying? It says you know, money won't buy you happiness. I like what somebody said one time. Money won't buy you happiness, but it'll sure help. I like that old saying. Okay, Because the truth is we can find happiness in this world. We can find happiness in things. We can find happiness in sin. Okay, But that happiness will eventually kill us. That happiness will eventually starve us. And, and so what he's saying here is the lowly brother needs to boast in his exaltation. And he says the rich in his humiliation because here's the reality. This is the next part of verse 10. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. The reality is, again, not only the more you have does your stuff have you, but the reality also is, is that the stuff you have can be lost very, very, very easily. If all of your money was in the stock market and they shut the economy down for a month, how much money did you lose? A tremendous amount of money. Bank, uh, air, airlines are going bank are going to be going bankrupt left and right. There are people in our own family that we know of that work for companies that are affiliated with airlines. Well, airlines aren't running, so they don't need parts. They don't need supplies. So guess what's happening to those jobs? They're going to begin to disappear. But that's kind of the course of the course of life, isn't it? Everything goes up. Everything goes down. Or we're in those one of those points where everything goes down. And in this moment, people begin to lose things. If you remember the stock market crash, I know none of you are around necessarily for the stock market crash, but the stock market crash in the 1920s, there were people that when the stock market crashed, they lost all hope. 
uh, business people started jumping out of windows and killing themselves. You'll probably see the same type of things happen now as everything kind of falls to pieces. What has happened? Well, the money has become their God. The money has become their treasure. But it's just really a proof of what James says here that the issue is is that the lowly brother, you don't have anything in this earth. You don't have anything necessarily to look forward to in this earth. But oh my goodness, how much greater is God going to be to you in this moment? Not only is God great by himself, but you're going to receive that as God's, you're going to receive that in the appropriate manner. You're going to receive that in the appropriate way, and you are blessed. But the rich need to be careful, basically, what he says here, because in your humiliation, guess what? You can lose everything that you have. So what's the key to this then? If we look to verse 12, James says, This blesses the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him, let no one say he is tempt- when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. We're really just going to deal with the first part of this and come back to this last section next week. So what does James say then? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. What does it mean to be steadfast? Does it mean to always be right? Does it mean to always be heading in the right direction? I like an old saying that somebody shared with me one time. They said it means keep on keeping on. To keep on keeping on no matter what happens in your life. You get diverted. You know, it's it's interesting. Life doesn't go in a straight line, does it? I heard it said one time when I was at seminary. I like the analogy. He said people have this, some people get kind of, messed up with this idea that there's this perfect will of God out there. You hear a lot of younger people talk about this, and the older you get, you realize that's not exactly right. But, but what they do is, they say, okay, a perfect will is that Sally is going to go down this line, and she's going to meet Paul, and Sally and Paul are going to get married and have 2.3 children, or whatever the fraction is, and, and they're, going to, they're going to have the perfect jobs and the perfect life. That is God's perfect will, right? And then somebody says, well, okay, well, Sally messes up somewhere along the line, so she doesn't meet Paul, but she meets Steve. So Steve's not her per- God's perfect will for her, but Steve will do. And so she marries Steve, and then Steve, they have one kid, and then, okay, she doesn't get the job that she wants because of whatever the case is, so her, her, her life goes in this direction. Or we can really mess it up, and Sally meets Sue, which would be way off of where God wants her to be. And then somehow, and she, you see, that's not God's perfect will. Here's the reality. God, God, our life doesn't work that way. Uh, if you look at it, here's the Tower of Board, and there are ups and there are downs, and there's in the middle, and there's ups and there's downs, and there's in the middle, and there's ups and there's downs, and ups and downs, and ups and downs, and ups and downs. And then at the end, <coughs> if we know Christ, we spend eternity with Him. Think of it as the heart rate monitor when in the hospital. That's our life, really, isn't it? Ups, downs. But you know what's amazing when you're looking at that, and you see those ups and you see those downs? What do you, what do you notice when you're looking at that monitor? They're alive. If you're alive, your life's going to have ups. If you're alive, your, your life's going to have downs. But, but the issue is, are you remaining steadfast? Are you keeping on, keeping on under trials? Because the promise is this. For when that person, you or me, has stood the test, you're going to receive the crown of life which God promised to those who love him. There's another word that the Bible uses for this. It's called perseverance. 
And I know it's, it, the longer I preach, the more I realize that all my sermons sound the same because they really, if you look at the Bible, it's saying the same thing over and over and over again. But keeping on, keeping on means that we're going to make it and we're going to persevere to the end. All the way to the end. So he says that's what we've got to look forward to. I had a, a, a person, that I, a sermon that I listened to a number of years ago from... Uh, one actually it was actually one of the professors from the seminary that I went to. He uh, was preaching over in Vadasa, and he said that a lot of Christians don't have an appropriate view of heaven. And he said, if we would have an appropriate view of heaven, um, then we would uh, change the way we live in this world that we're in now. You know, it's <laughs> it's not just the fact that we're going to go to this place, but just to realize that everything that we do now is preparing us for this place that God is taking us to. All the ups, all the downs, all this. It's going to take us to that moment where we can spend eternity with Him. Right now, uh, we're, we're still, of course, we don't know if there's a beach trip this summer, but Jessica's family has a beach trip every summer. And uh, they spend a week, and um, they have different houses, which really helps everybody out. Uh, I think sometimes they, when they're all together, it's, uh, it's just too many people in one house, but everybody have a good time. Everybody's in their own little house, and doing their own little thing, but they start, they start looking forward to that around May. Then they start planning. You know, you start planning. What do you start planning? Menus? What, who's going to cook what? What we're going to cook? Maybe you're going to do an excursion. Where are you going to go? What you're going to see? Some people are getting their books ready to read. And it's like everything that they're going through at work, they're thinking, oh, but that beach trip is coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting ready to go. Or maybe it's a mountain trip. I'd rather go to the mountains than the beach. I'm a mountain person. I'd rather get in a car and just drive. I'm, I want to travel, okay? Um, I keep telling Jessica, I'd love to just take the back part of the van out and put a full air mattress and get one of those inside air conditioners, you know what I'm talking about? That, and, just, and I want to take it and just sleep in the back of the van, be a hobo for, for a while, you know, and um, she's not on the same page with that. That's okay. I, one day I'll go without her maybe. Anyway, so um, then that would really be weird. There's a guy who parks in the park and sleeps in the back of his van. This is getting weirder and weirder as we go along. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Steve. Uh, Steve says, I'll go. Uh, we may see Sue on the way. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, so, uh, no, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, I completely forgot what I was talking about. No, that's my fault. But, but no, we look forward to the destination. And, and when we're looking forward to the destination, it makes the time that we're waiting a little bit better. And so I think as we leave this this morning, as we think about persevering, we always think of, of just kind of getting through and just making it to the next day. But maybe if we can begin, and I believe this is why Scripture continually focuses us towards this, if we can begin to look at eternity as not just life insurance, but rather as a place that we're ready to go to when that time comes, when we realize when we get there, it's going to be massive. It's not going to be, you know, I was thinking the other day, we think Old Testament terms, new, we're thinking it's going to be a shack or like, you know, just basic stone. But here's the thing is, do you think the God who created, and I don't know what heaven's going to look like exactly, but if you think about the world that we live in today, the technology advance, who knows what's going to be in heaven? Who knows what God has got prepared for us? Who knows, back in Moses' time, they died and when they got to heaven, you know, who knows there were the fiber optic cables running all throughout heaven? I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what heaven's going to be like. And I even heard somebody say one time, they say, you know, I don't know if we can fly when we get to heaven, but Lord knows I really want to fly when we get to heaven. You know, there's just a lot of things we don't know about. But just, you, you know, when I said that, you got a little excited, didn't you? Because you're thinking, oh, what, what if I could fly in heaven? 
Okay, what if I could breathe underwater in heaven? What if I could just like, oh, I just think all the fun stuff. I, no more back pain in heaven. Woohoo! Yes, right there. Woohoo! You can drive as fast as you want to in heaven, no speed limits. And, you know, you whatever. You can pass preachers all in heaven all you want to. You know what I'm talking about? Just, just keep on going, okay? Uh, but just think of it, just, oh my goodness, how wonderful. You know, and we can, we can make heaven something that it's not, but we don't know all the details about heaven, but we know that it's going to be. I ain't going to say the best place. It's going to be the place. It's not going to be just the place. It's going to be who's going to be at the place. Jesus is going to be at the place. God's going to be at the place. And you're talking about some church. We're going to have church. You hear me? Every person. Could you just imagine every, every person that has a skill to play the piano <coughs> playing in perfect harmony in, in heaven and all the instruments in perfect harmony in heaven and all the angels in perfect harmony in heaven and life forever in heaven and just joy upon joy upon joy. Now, if we can grasp that, if we can see that, then guess what? Guess what? It's going to make that keep it on, keep it on a whole lot better. If we can realize there's going to be a day where we're going to be looked back and be like, eh, and just keep moving forward. Oh, that's the day to look to. And so that's why James says that, my low brother, guess what? Boast in it. You rich man, be careful. Because guess what? You can lose it all. But either way, remember that blessed is the one who remains steadfast under the trial. Because once you've been tested, once you've received that crown of life, God has promised to you, guess what? The door is open wide for an eternity of joy.